Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. How do you process when you find yourself in spaces that you thought God might have wanted one thing and now you're not sure? Yeah, this is a really uh, relevant question for me because right before this, I talked for like two or three minutes. Well, much longer than that. But in my mind, it was two or three minutes of uh, Jason started laughing when I said that. Uh, Talking about this situation for me where um, I have this employment situation that a lot of times feels like just absolutely ideal for what me and my family need and then there are certain months or you know however long period of time where uh that is certainly not the case um and just and just wondering um some of those times where there are hard things or where there are really uh there's just a lot of conflict and a lot of um unsmoothness a lot there's a big rough patch going uh wondering okay maybe a month ago this felt like the ideal situation like this is where god wanted me it allowed me to be the most present I could possibly be for my family and provide at the same time. But now it's taking attention away and now it's um, pulling my thoughts and uh, my ability to be there for my family in a, in a, in a not as full capacity as I'd want. Um, and so we're literally just talking about this and I think we ended up with like, I don't know and I don't want to talk about it uh, <laughs> because I just kept talking in circles. But I, I do think for me, a big part of processing, like not knowing if this place I thought I was supposed to be or need to be or wanted to be is actually where God wants me is, is just that, um, is that spinning of the wheel is that, um, is just that working it out, figuring it out. Um, and for me, God tends to work, uh, like when I talk to God best, it's when I'm in that kind of like, um, that round circular, uh, circular praying or circular conversation where I just feel like I keep hitting the same wall, hitting the same wall. And then for some reason I'm on a walk and I see this spe- a specific thing or um, somebody says something to me and there's like a key to the door that I was hitting my head up against. Um, and so uh, that's usually what it looks like and that's not fun. I would really love a different way besides just continually ramming my head up against this uh, locked door or locked wall. But that's how it tends to play out for me, I think. That's good. I can certainly relate to that. I, what jumped out at me initially when we we're talking about this question is... Uh, what is what is normal? You know, in that word, there's no definitive definition of it. But what I've what I've noticed is these type of experiences that you're describing. If it's normalized, I feel so much better about it. You know, for example, if you walked into a room and all the light bulbs were there was like an, just this crazy amount of light bulbs in the room, and all of a sudden they're just blinking erratically, and it's weird and it's a little bit disorienting. Um, you'd be like, oh, my whole world's gone crazy, you know? But then if you realize, oh, it's Christmas and this is what people do at Christmas, then all of a sudden you feel great about it, you know? <laughs> and, and I think that's, we, we minimize how much our expectation of what normal is going to be affects us. Yeah. And so that's the big thing that plays out to me. When stuff starts going wrong, I will either say, especially when you talk about work or, or a sense of calling on your life or whatever, wait a minute, I thought God wanted this. I like that term, I'm in this rough patch. Is that a signal he didn't want it? Is that a signal he did want it and wants to teach me? Is that a signal 
that he did want it, but now wants to move me to something else. And I think there's a thousand directions we could go and how do you process it? But I do think a big piece for me is recognizing, wait a minute, this is not abnormal. This is living. That there are phases, spaces in my life where I relax and I really rest and I'm like, yeah, I'm living my best life. But the tension piece, I I experience it worse than it has to be. It's bad, but I experience it worse than it has to be by saying, well, if this is happening, that must mean something wrong with me or is God really paying attention to that I miss a signal, you know, this kind of thing. Instead of saying, oh, I live in a fallen world. I, there is something that certainly if I tell it to you while you're talking about your problems, you do not want to hear it. And I don't want you to hear it when I'm talking about my problems. But when I when I really internalize, this is the nature of being in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. God wasn't just saying, isn't arbitrarily or academically bad that you live in a world with sin. He was saying, this sin now is going to affect you every day you're living on this earth. And when you have a respite from that, when you have a break from that, really enjoy it and cherish it. And not like a person's like, when's the other shoe going to fall? But yeah, okay, today's a good day, or this minute's a good minute, or this is a good season I'm in. But that doesn't answer the question of how do you process through it. I'm simply saying I've found a lot of relief just doing that thinking. But the key is I, if Heather tells me to do it, I'm like, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I ain't thinking that way, you know, because I'm an idiot like that sometimes. But when I can take a breath and be like, wait a minute, this is normal, oddly, it, well, what it does, it helps me realize how much additional pressure I'm putting on myself. Not just that my job is hard, but there's some expectation that, you know, I sh- this should be easy for me. If I was really good at this, it'd be easy for me. Or a better person, if they were here, it'd be easy for them. And it's like, no, I'm doing great. I'm showing up. I'm praying about it. You know, it, it's not this big judgment on everything I've ever done. We Last week, we talked about uh, the shepherd's experience around Jesus' birth, and today we're talking about the wise men or the magi's experience, and it, it's, we're in Matthew 2, and it actually takes the whole entire chapter. Um, if you'd want to stop right now, you know, put a pause and read the chapter, you'll get the fullness of it. We're going to read a, a sections of it uh, to give us basic context. Uh, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. I'm going to skip down to verse 9. After they had heard the king, because Herod tells them, he's like, hey, once you get done worshiping, come back and tell me. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we'll continue on for a little bit in 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Jumping down to 16, it says, When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Verse 18. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying. Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But 
when he heard that Archelaus was was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said to the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So, lots, lots to choose from there. What's one thing uh, <laughs> that amazes you about this experience? Yeah, so this is this has always been kind of funny to me, but now it's even funnier and weirder and cooler. So God keeps sending visions or an angel to Joseph to communicate something to him while he's sleeping. And I've always loved the the, the idea that an angel, like God sends an angel to Joseph while he's sleeping and says, get up um, and flee to Egypt. And now maybe, maybe he's like, hey, like prepare and then leave in the morning in a few hours. Um, but that has always been so bizarre to me. The idea that's like, why didn't God just like pre tell him, you know, why, why didn't God say, Hey, in, in a few days, you probably want to plan to head out. Like I know for me, when I had like my newborn, um, I would have really preferred like a good amount of, of, uh, notice of if I was supposed to flee the country, um, from persecution. But, and so this probably w- was a perplexing thing for me for a long time, but what's amazing to me What's amazing to me about this right now is this just leans further into the moment-by-moment nature of living in the kingdom that we talked about um, before we read the passage. Um, you can see, like you said, uh, just Joseph and Mary just reacting and living and, and just trusting moment-to-moment. Um, and there's a certain aspect of it like that, that they can't do it any way else. Um, and there's a, there's a beauty to that. And it's amazing to me because, like I said, I would want the notice— Um, but also if I knew that I was going to have to flee religious persecution because my newborn child was life was in danger and my family's life was in danger, I can imagine what I would go through. I'd probably try to figure out, okay, well, let me, maybe maybe not Egypt. What if I go down to X, Y, or Z? What if we flee this way or that way? What if I go to this town or that town? Um, and so I, I would, what is amazing to me now is, um, is how I think what God is doing here is he is giving um, giving Mary and Joseph exactly what they need when they need it, knowing that they already have a, such a massive burden on them that they don't also need the burden of uh, figuring out their neck. They, they don't need the burden of uh, of extensive planning. Maybe if it, that doesn't that's not exactly how I want to phrase it, but that's kind of the gist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, I, it's fascinating to me, and I'm going to go ahead and say the amazing part for me because it ties into this, it, and this probably is a perplexing piece, but but what about these dreams were enough? Because mm-hmm. I have dreams. I remember quite a few of my dreams. My wife and I love to wake up and be like, oh, it's almost like reporting in, you know, hey, we were, <laughs> it's like you do from a mission field. You come back like, I got to tell you this, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, hey, do you, do you remember a dream? And we kind of process it a little bit, you know, and, and you know. Big, big thing in there. But there's never a time that I'm like, and that means I need to pack everything up and let's go. You know what I mean? So one could say, well, that's because God doesn't need that from you. You're doing what God needs you to do, at least until he tells you different. And that's usually how I live. But that dynamic, uh, the other question I have, and this is a perplexing piece to me about this particular thing, is that idea of, is it because I'm not listening? Like, did they hear because they listened or did they listen because their experiences were much different than mine? You know, I can I can honestly say I've never experienced an angel. I have had dreams. I have had sometimes compelling dreams in the sense they felt very visceral in this kind of thing, but never enough to think God spoke to me. But is that in correlation with the with, with my doubt? You know what I mean? Do I do I just not believe in a way? 
I have been taught all my life that the miraculous things that happen in the Bible do not happen. You know, not all my life, but in my first formative years, I was told that. And so it's like, well, I, I recognize that the people that were just close to Jesus watched Jesus walk around them, watched him do miracles, and didn't take in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So am I still doing that? You know, the part that amazes me, though, is the second person, the person that didn't have the dream. In this case, it's Mary. Oh, yeah. That's I, but it's like, can you imagine Hannah wakes you up and like, we got to go. And you're like, where, where are we going? They're like, yeah, just pack one suitcase. We got to go. They're going to kill all the kids here. There was not a track record in this area of a lot of kids being killed. This really stands out. You know, now Herod was crazy and he was off his rocker. It's just there was never a specific benefit to killing all these babies. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, that's Jewish history where their babies were killed you know, back in, in Israel, or in, rather in Egypt, when the Israelites were there. And so I would think that would be very frowned upon. Like, Herod, you're acting like an Egyptian, you know, ruler here. Mm-hmm. Um, so politically, I can't imagine this is beneficial to him, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a really big deal uh, that that happened. So, so I just can't imagine Mary taking that news. He's going to kill? What? Yeah, that's Why, good. How would you know that? You know, well, I, I heard it in a dream. I, honestly, it'd be like, I think you need to go back to sleep. I think you're not well. <laughs> yeah. So that's amazing to me, that kind of faith. And of course, it's set up by the fact she had an angel visitor. So once you have that experience, you're more open to other people. But I'm, still, I mean, even, that's challenging. Even still, I think about, and you said something really fascinating about um, this is what Herod does here as the ruler of the Jews um, is directly spitting in the face of what happened um in Egypt. And I, and I just, I love the symmetry of God that um, his people had to flee from Egypt. Part of that story is this uh, really horrific reality of the young boys um, being killed. And then the new story is that Egypt becomes a safe haven from a semi-religious overlord who is now um, afraid of losing his power because um, the true God has come to uh, come to rule and reign. And so I, I, I really, I, I just think it's a good reminder for, for me personally that oftentimes um, I think because something happened and I think God did it in a specific way that that side is always going to be on the good side and this side is always going to be on the bad side. And this is a good reminder for me that um, the place of persecution for the people of God now becomes the safe haven for God himself. That, I think that is fantastic. And I, I, I vaguely I had that in my mind, but when you said it, I'm like, that is exactly right. And I don't know of a clear example where God says, we do almost everything by precedent. You know, why do I go to this store? Because I had a good experience last time or a hundred times, you know? And so that dynamic of not judging by precedent, we're aware of it and maybe there's some wisdom there, but say, I trust God first and precedent second. Uh, that is a very challenging thing to do because we almost always move in pattern. What what went well before? What did we do before? And so this idea of, hey, this is how it worked before, we always leave uh, Egypt. you know, And now that, that even just magnifies Joseph's faith because it's one thing, yeah, it's one thing to say, um, hey, we're going to go down and we're going to stay in this, you know, in this, you know, uh, cave, basically this, this stable area, you know, that we're going to do. That's, an, that's jolting enough because you're still in your culture. You're still in your language. You're still in your country, mm-hmm. you know, and it's quite another thing to say, hey, we're going to a foreign country, one that our forefathers fled in terror. <laughs> it required 10 
you know, 10 massive plagues. I mean, seriously, culture um, ending plagues, you know, and then the destruction of the whole army for them to get out of there. And we're going to willingly go in there, yeah. you know, and, and it's just like based on your what your premonition that he's going to kill our baby. I'm like, come on, we're nobodies. Sure. This is like the, the biggest deal. It'd be like for like an American, um, you know, thinking about like, Oh no, the British are trying to like levy a tax uh, on, you know, coffee or tea or whatever. Um, th- there's this, we have to remind ourselves that this would have been just at the absolute forefront um, of any Jewish mind at the time thinking about Egypt, like they would have had contemporary thoughts about this place. Right, because they did business. In that sure, country. but this is foundational. And especially you go, oh man, I have to flee persecution and I'm going to flee to the place where my people fled. Um, it, that, that faith to do that is so much bigger than even we give uh, Joseph and Mary credit for. Um, and just accepting, like you said, not re- not relying on the precedents, but just accepting um where God seems to be leading them, even when all their prior experiences and beliefs might tell them that's not the case. Before we move on to perplexing, I just think it's always just been so beautiful to me, um, the nature of what Jesus goes through in his first uh, you know, couple years of life. We talked about last week, born to teenage parents in this really horrific, hard situation, awkward situation, uh, and then he becomes a... Uh, a refugee basically um, fleeing from his uh, from his people um, and just the imagery of a king fleeing from his people um, to one day return is just so um, it, it's so beautiful to me to think about like from the very beginning um, <laughs> from the very beginning there was this choice that was being made by by his people for Barabbas um, like the cries of Barabbas 30 some odd years later are echoing through the past to this moment. Um, and yet God still keeps choosing and God still keeps drawing um, and drawing back to us. So that's just really, that's just really beautiful to me. So what, what perplexes you? In verse 21, uh, so he's had these dreams, Joseph had his dreams. He says, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, Archelaus, is that how you say that? Archelaus? Archelaus? I, I have no idea. We're going to go with whatever you Ar- say. No, it's, it's, it's Christmas season, so Archelaus? Archelaus. <laughs> um, so when he heard that that fella <laughs> that was, was not funny. <laughs> was reigning, and this, this is how you've got me now. I'm a captive audience. Anyway, but when he heard that this gentleman was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And I think it's fascinating how usually we say fear, if you're feeling fear, check yourself, which I think is 100% right, and don't let that be your full motivation. And it's fair to say it wasn't. You know, he was afraid, and I think it's interesting they report his fear, because all they had to say was, having been warned a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. But the mentioning of his fear here is fascinating to me, um, that he was afraid of of this guy, you know, one of, one of Herod's sons, I guess. Uh, yeah, and so it's, it's that dynamic of the human emotion and what is peace and and how do you read God's will? Because that's really what I'm after, and I'm always after it. I'm like, there is peace involved. When I don't feel peace with something, I need to pay attention. I've heard people say, if you don't feel peace, don't do it. But then there are things that I've not felt peace with, checked in with myself, and I'm like, oh, that's because I'm not trusting God. I need to do it. And so it's just always a, a perplexing dynamic of trying to determine where does my emotion fit with God's leading? And I'm super grateful for Joseph's sake that there was a follow-up warning, you know? There's a follow-up dream to withdraw into this district of Galilee, you know? 
Um, Because I know Joseph isn't tracking, you know, it says in this obscure passage by one of the minor prophets that, you know, or or by some prophet that he's going to be called a Nazarene. I know he's not thinking that. I just can't imagine that's probably that's true for him. So he's really been driven along. But but how do I apply this, which is almost always what perplexes me is I love watching them do this. I do not want to be in this place. You know what I mean? Because and this is the only place I think it really touches on. It acknowledges in the middle of all this, he's still afraid. And I think that that's I'm, I'm grateful that it's there. And then also I'm like, okay, what if he had been afraid and not had the follow up dream? Yeah, was the fear enough to make? Because it would have been the right decision, but he wouldn't have the dream, you know. Well, so even, yeah, it's interesting to me. Even even I think about like there is a part here that's so helpful, and this was in my amazement of of the simplicity of just accepting what God is telling you and and going with it and living moment to moment. But even realizing in that, like, okay, he's in they're in you know, they escape. There's not direct there's not a direct order or um advice from the angel of how you're going to get to Egypt and what you're gonna do when you get there. Um and this isn't like, you know, this isn't like work from home culture. Like this is like how you're gonna support yourself in a foreign country. Right. And then now coming back and you're just like it, 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 it's so crazy to me that in this story there's kind of like this uh, <laughs> there's kind of like this thing where it's like oh you know the, the, this this couple they left their hometown they went to they went to like the really cool city they went to the place where it's like you know one of the places is supposed to be happening it's where all the the progress is one of the big cities hmm. and then they go off into a foreign country and now they kind of like meekly afraid limp home to their podunk backwater town um, and on the one hand uh, you just go like you like we're like, wow, this is such incredible faith from um, Mary and Joseph. But you wonder at the end of this, them going like, what in the world like was all of that about? What was that for? Why is this? Why did why did this have to happen? Why do we have to come back to this place? Why do we like I, I, I just I wonder so much um, like what their inner monologue was like in these moments. Um, and And I do think it's helpful to know that he was afraid that it wasn't this smooth, easy process where like for me, if it was my, you know, my processing through um, what what God wants for me and how he wants me to do it, if he wants and, and when, um, there would be a very easy temptation if we didn't have this piece of it to go, well, I just got to take exactly what God gives me and mm-hmm. like, and then, and only make decisions based on like clear, slightly supernatural signs from, from God. Um, but this part reminds me, okay, no, Joseph is obviously a man of God. And so there's a part of this story of following God that recognizes, okay, Joseph is, Joseph was chosen to be the father of the son of God. And Joseph was chosen to be the father of the son of God. And, and God is using not just him as a, as a placeholder. God's not using him as a, uh, just as any old guy who could be there for Mary God is specifically using Joseph because he has emotions and senses and past life and past history that will help him be who he needs to be. And I think that's a really important reminder for me in all these stories. It's so easy to make Mary or Joseph like this, these placeholder people, mm-hmm. but like God specifically chose them for a reason. Um, and so even this fear and, and him able to make a rational decision based on this fear, this is part of why God chose Joseph and Mary. Yeah. And that's really been useful to me in my roles because I often think, huh, wouldn't a better leader do better than I'm doing. Wouldn't even, sometimes even a man, Heather deserves a better husband or my kids deserve a better father. But to recognize God can do anything and he led me here. I'm this person. 
you know, and in jobs, you may be this person for a minute, a day, 20 years, you know, but in specifically in my role as, as dad and husband, I'm like, you know what? I'm that guy. I'm that guy. So if he put me here, he can get this done through me. And yeah, I really appreciate that, that, that he chose. And what I mean by that is not just self-esteem boost. It's that idea of recognizing he didn't cause random children to be born to me. He caused my children to be born to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to remind ourselves that he's going to use every bit of it. And we have to go back to that dynamic that we've touched on many times is God is not afraid of our sin. We're afraid of our sin, and we were taught to be super afraid of our sin. But God's not afraid of our mistakes and our weaknesses. He says, I will work through your weaknesses with my greatest strength. And so to remind ourselves that I think is really, really important. Yeah. So what? how's this hit you? What perplexes you? Yeah, I think the thing for me, and um, I don't think there'll ever be an answer, but I just, I really, like I get, I get some of the symmetry and I even, I, I see, I, I just, I want God to supernaturally protect the children and Bethlehem. Like mm. I, like, and this, and this, this is always the case for people, evil acts of people or acts of nature. Um, I can give you the reasons. I can give you the philosophical reasons and theological reasons, but deep down in my heart, there's still always that ache of, but, but why not? Like why? Why does this have to be part of the story? Um, So that, that for, and uh, yeah, there's, I don't have a, I, I would feel like for me, like even now, even though I I feel that emotion, I want to give the theological and philosophical reasons that I've always heard. And, and, and for the most part believe, um, but honestly, like for the actual um, horrific uh, horrific trauma that, took place here. I, I, for me, just, I just need to go, man, I, I hate that. And I know God hates it, but I, I, I want, I want this to be different. Yeah. I, I'm really glad you said that. I think I honestly look beyond it because it is completely unsolvable. I, I share exactly what you just said, because if I had power, if I have power and I witness something that is evil and I don't stop it, I feel like I've made a really bad mistake, you know? Now, we understand if God stopped all the evil, then there'd be no more free will, da 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 you know, or at least functionally there wouldn't be free will. But still, you know, it's like, well, I understand you're not stopping when people are in war and they get killed. At least they had some, you know, buy-in. They, they had the free will. Yeah. But yeah, with babies, it, it you get to that undeniable, irredeemable place. The other thing is, too, you know, we, we tend to separate Old Testament God from New Testament God. He's the same God. He did work differently, working with a different people, different culture. But this is a signal that God allowed really horrible things to happen in all all eras, in all eras, including this era, that there are things that happen. And for us to say, well, that's God's will, I remember many atrocities and, and people saying, well, that's judgment on the country for this. Well, this was not judgment on the country, you know. Uh, this clearly is one evil man, you know, and I don't know, maybe if I lived in that time, I would be like, see, this was telling you about Herod. We should have gotten rid of him, but then they would have had to fight all Rome. You know what I mean? This kind yeah. of thing. And then Jesus comes along and doesn't fight Rome. Like that would be the perfect, that would make sense. Can you imagine Jesus comes in? He's an adult. He's like, I'm here because you killed the babies. 
and we'd be like, yes, a story you can get behind. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I love the he, gospel he, he story. But in, He comes in with a sword. You missed one. And then that's when he <laughs> Yes. We're writing that movie. You missed one. Yeah. That, that'd be perfect. Well, it's like Moses shows back up. He's like, you missed one. And then, you know, he leads to the destruction. So that's the story my heart longs for. Yeah. You know, and today my heart longs for it. Not, not just for theirs, but all of the atrocity. So how do we as a Christian live with the awareness God could do anything? Mm-hmm. And yes, there's a whole dynamic and eternity far surpasses anything we'd experience here. And all those babies went, in my understanding of, of choice and everything, they went straight to God, you know. At the same time, every single parent dreamed of having their kid. And now they don't. And they live with that pain the rest of their lives. And I'm like, man, couldn't you have... You know, like like way back in Egypt, couldn't you allow there to be some women, some, you know, hand, not handmaidens, but um, how you guys delivered your child? <laughs> uh, midwife? Yeah, midwife. <laughs> there it is. How, how can how can we have some midwives intervening here and people? I'd love to, love to find out that. And we smuggled 80% of those kids out of town. Mm-hmm. You know, only the really bad two-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but, but but I want redemption for that story. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. The redemp- redemption is ongoing, and the redemption of um, all of, like I, I believe there is redemption in all of this. Um, but just because there's redemption in a story, it doesn't mean that there wasn't evil that took place. Mm-hmm. And for far too long, people in the church wanted to say whether it be trauma or something evil the church did. Um, well, God's God's going to redeem it and just want to sweep it under like that's sweep it under the table, and that's just that's not of God. Um, and so I, I think the most honoring thing that you can do in one of these situations is just um, is to just wrestle with God and go, okay, yes, I believe in redemption, um, and I believe you hate this, and I really hate this too, and I don't know how to I I'm I I'm living in the tension because. It's not fair for me to just try and overlook all these things. You know, it's not fair to 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 these, to these in this case these children. Um, and so, yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. We uh, hope you're having a fantastic day. <laughs> we didn't even say it at the beginning. Uh, we need. Yeah, so uh, this was these were our Christmas episodes, um, and we do one. Uh, one, I hope that um, our love for just the story of of all parts of Jesus um, and just the miraculous nature of every aspect of it came through, even even in the really hard parts. God is not God is not trying to sell us an easy, um, safe version of of what this is all about. This is hard and it's real, um, and yet it's good and it's redeeming, and ultimately it's it's what our hearts always long for. Um, and so, one, uh, thank you for listening. I think this will probably be the last episode of, of 2022, which um, I, this actually I think is episode 100, if I believe correctly. Really? Maybe it's maybe it's 99. I'm not sure, Damn, but so close. But we'll pick up back in the new year. Um, we'll probably be off for a week or two, um, and we'll kind of have a new we have an idea of a, of a series-ish sort of thing we want to try and do for the first month or two of uh january slash into february and so we'll be back in a week or two um and we pray your christmas is filled with good things and um healthy family dynamics and if there aren't healthy family dynamics that there are other sources of peace and there are other sources of joy as you remember um the birth of our savior and grace peace and love to all of you